Jai Guru and Pranam. My name is Amit Chatterjee and greetings from Seattle, Washington. I wish all of the viewers in the Americas a very good morning and those joining in from Europe a good afternoon and for the viewers joining from India a very good evening. We'll start with a short prayer. We'll close our eyes. Thinking deeply about God, about Gurudev, and about the lineage of Kriya Yoga Masters, I humbly pray on behalf of all of us. Om Sahana Bhavatu, Sahanao Bhunaktu, Sahaviryam Karavavahi, Tejasvi Nabadhita Mastu, Mavidvishavahai, Om Shanti Shanti Shantihi. May the Lord protect us all. May He allow us to enjoy together, to exert together. May our discussions be sincere and faithful. May there not be any discord amongst us. May there be peace. Om. Amen. We are also in the midst of the nine-day worship of the Divine Mother. So I wish all of you a very happy Navaratri and a happy festival season. May the divine blessings of the Divine Mother be with all of us. Good morning again. You know, these Sunday talks are an interesting experience for me. I do these talks just a few times in the year, but every time a Sunday is assigned to me, I wonder what am I going to talk about? My Gurudev, the other teachers and swamis of the Institute, have already spoken so much about all possible spiritual topics. And I feel I'm in a quandary. And then I think about what am I struggling with on the spiritual path myself? And that list is usually a long one. So I pick something from that list and I think deeper about what the teachings of my Gurudev, Paramahamsa Pragyananda Ji, are about such situations. I contemplate on his teachings and think of how I can apply them to my life. I then share with you my understanding and my approach, and I hope it will resonate with some of you, or at least it might motivate you to think deeper about the divine teachings of Guruji and see how you can apply them to your life. A few years ago, Guruji narrated a humorous incident of a conversation he had with an elderly lady about the topic of yoga. Guruji was traveling from Miami to Los Angeles. As he boarded the flight and sat down, an elderly American lady next to him started a conversation. Looking at Guruji's attire, the lady asked, do you practice yoga? Guruji nodded. And the lady said, you know, I also practice yoga. I go to a yoga club. 
But my nine-year-old granddaughter, she doesn't know what the word yoga means. She tells her friends that my grandmother goes to a yogurt club. Narrating this incident, Guruji said, you know, the little granddaughter's perspective was quite befitting. There is a lot of similarity between yogurt and yoga. Many of you may be making fresh curd or yogurt at home. If you think of the process that is involved, you will relate to this. You boil the milk and then let it cool. You start with milk that is not too cold or too hot, milk that is moderate. And then you add a little yogurt to it. We call it the culture. A spoonful of yogurt added to a tumbler of moderately warm milk. And then you let the mixture sit there quietly for a few hours. After a couple of hours, the milk coagulates and becomes yogurt. The milk which has become yogurt will never become milk again. It is a process of transformation. So is the path of yoga. A moderately tuned disciple or seeker coming in contact with the guru and spending time in meditation in a quiet and secluded place get transformed to become a yogi. And a seeker who's once a yogi will never be an ordinary human being again. So that is the similarity. And that is the goal that we all have in this spiritual path. To follow this path, to transform our lives, to get to self-realization. God realization or self-realization is the ultimate goal, the ultimate transformation we are looking for. But what about mundane incidents in day-to-day -day life in this world, which is such a drama? How are we dealing with those situations? Are we making progress as yogis in this path? I will explore this with you today. I'll share my screen. Consider a very typical situation. Someone says something to us that we do not like. And I'm not talking about some stranger, someone perhaps very close to us, could be a family member, could be a close friend or an associate. This is a common situation. And what happens to us? How do we react? On one hand, we feel quite upset. The conversation may be well long over, but the feelings about it linger in the mind like a wound which will not heal. We have some ill will towards the other, perhaps. There are thoughts of anger, jealousy, dislike, or hatred. We really feel upset. We also feel hurt ourselves. We may feel humiliated. Maybe our pride is hurt. We feel unappreciated or even insulted. Furthermore, we think that we feel justified in telling the other person that they really need to change. 
Now, this is a common reaction which happens to all of us. Most of us react in a similar way. But how about us who are practicing this path of yoga? Should we not do better than react just as normal people would do? Can we not, instead of thinking about changing the other, and Guruji reminds us, there's really only a few people have the authority to change another. A parent has the authority to change a child. A guru has the authority to change a student. Why do we think that we have the authority of changing a fellow being? Instead of that, why can we not think of changing ourselves in these common situations? To deal with the situation perhaps in an intelligent and practical way, whatever the conversation might have been. But after that, to really forgive the person for anything that was said and not hold on to the incident in the mind. Can we not realize that this world is a drama? All of this is a play of the mind and we need to be aware of that. But this is not how we react. So I'll try to look at whether yoga can help us in this way, in these situations. And I will refer to Guruji's teachings on the Yoga Sutra of Sage Patanjali. All of you know that yoga is the most ancient of all philosophies and the most authoritative scripture on the yoga is Sage Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. He wrote the, this book, this work, a couple of thousand years ago, and it is still so relevant in our day-to-day -day life. A couple of words about this divine body of work. First of all, Sage Patanjali is not the founder of yoga. The Lord himself that yoga came with the start of creation. Maharshi Patanjali, he compiled all of the techniques and knowledge of yoga into one body of work, which is the Yoga Sutra of Sage Patanjali. And it is really a handbook of yoga that is applicable today, and it will be as long as creation is there. Secondly, all that Sage Patanjali is speaking of is nothing but Kriya Yoga. The sage actually refers to this yoga by name in the work. He also refers to it as Ashtanga Yoga or the eight limbs of yoga. And we are so fortunate that Guruji has done a detailed explanation of this work. He has more than 200 hours of video that he has recorded for us. And this is available at our subscription platform at learn.kriya.org, and it is available to everyone. So we will review this work a little bit. Sage Patanjali, in his Yoga Sutra, surmises that all of the miseries that we go through in our life are because of five types of impurities. These are avidya, or ignorance and delusion, asmita, eyeness or ego, raga, 
likes, dvesha, dis dislikes, and abhinivesha, clinging to life or fear of death. And we can relate to this in our daily lives as well. Any of the conflicts that we get, get into our daily life, if you think about them, it starts with us having an incorrect perception of what reality is. This is ignorance or delusion. But then our ego steps in. We still feel that our perspective is the right one. And we like those who agree with us and we dislike and hate people who do not agree with our perspective. And in all of that conflict, we desperately cling on to our own perspective and refuse to admit that we might be wrong. So these impurities are the source of our misery in our daily lives as well. And then Sage Patanjali goes on to tell us how to remove these impurities. He says, this is a beautiful part of a sutra, yoga anga anushthanat ashuddhi kshaye. By the celebratory practice of yoga, impurities are removed. He talks about yoga anga or limbs of yoga. And he uses this beautiful word anushtan. He just doesn't say practice of the limbs of yoga. He says a celebratory practice. We will come back to why he used this word, word a little later. But first, it, let's take a look at what he means by yoga anga or the limbs of yoga. In fact, Sage Patanjali talks about eight limbs of yoga. Many of us are familiar with these limbs. These are yama or moral codes or self-discipline. Niyama, observances or binding rules. Asana, posture of the body. Pranayama, regulation of breath or breath control. Pratyahara, withdrawal of attention. Dharana, concentration, dhyana, meditation, samadhi, ordinarily understood as realization. So Sage Patanjali said that these are the eight limbs of yoga that we need to practice. Now, a little bit about what we mean by limbs of yoga. Many commentators have incorrectly summarized that the limbs are steps of yoga that you need to follow these steps one by one. That is an incorrect understanding. If it were steps, then yoga would take a long time to master. But that is not what it is. Think of the human body. In the human body, we have different organs of action, the hands, the legs. They are known as limbs. Or you can even consider eyes and the ears, other organs of actions as limbs as well. But when we talk about the human body, we do not refer to any one of these as the first limb and the other the second limb. No one of the limbs is inferior or superior to the other. We use them all together as the situation demands. So are the limbs of yoga. They are to be used as an integrated whole. In fact, Param Gurudev, Paramahamsa Hariharanandaji used to say, Kriya Yoga is an integrated form of yoga 
within which integrates all of this and gives us the fastest and quickest evolution. So the beauty of Ashtanga Yoga is that it is an integration of all of the limbs of the yoga. Furthermore, what is really beautiful is that we actually practice this yoga all the time without even realizing it. And I'm not just talking about people who consciously practice yoga. Everybody practices yoga without knowing it. And it is only natural because as we said, yoga started with creation. Yoga is an integral part of creation. We will explore one such activity. Guruji gives a beautiful example of cooking. All of us familiar with cooking and perhaps we even like to cook. Now, if you think of the steps that are involved in the process of quick cooking, you will appreciate how yoga is integrated in every activity. Let us review this. When you start cooking, you need to follow some discipline. That's your approach towards cooking. Or when you're in the kitchen, you need to observe some discipline in how you deal with the appliances, how you deal with knives, etc. Otherwise, you will hurt yourself. So cooking also involves some discipline. This is yama. Then you follow certain rules. You have certain rules about how you're going to cut the vegetables, how you're going to mix the ingredients, the recipe that you're going to be following for cooking. This is niyama or rules that you observe. We also have asana. You just don't cook in any posture. Would you ever cook lounging on a sofa? You wouldn't. You either stand in front of the oven or in the traditional way cooking was done in India, women or others who cooked would sit in a particular way. Standing or sitting in a particular way are both asanas or posture for cooking. We then have pranayama. You don't cook when your breath is restless. You have, especially if you have a prayerful attitude towards cooking, your breath changes accordingly. So unknown to us, we are managing our breath as well while we are cooking. And of course, we must withdraw our attention from what's surrounding us, television or WhatsApp for us to cook. Otherwise, what we cook will not be good or even might get burned. So that's pratyahara or withdrawal from the distractions around us while cooking. Then there is concentration. We all know cooking involves concentration. The following of the recipe, the ingredients, mixing them the way we do, that requires concentration. And then as the cooking progresses and the dish is closer to getting done, when the ingredients start boiling, there is a moment of calmness. There comes a time in cooking when there is no more activity, no more mixing this and that. You just let the meal cook itself. This is nothing but meditation or calmness in cooking. And finally, when the dish is cooked, you have joy. Especially if you have cooked with a devotional attitude, you have joy that you have cooked the best meal for God or Guru's or for your family and guests. There is joy in completing of cooking. 
So these are practicing of the limbs of yoga in cooking. And if you consider it this way, any activity that you do, you will find that we are following these steps while doing them, whether that be an activity in the garden or a home re renovation that you're working on, or even a feature that you're developing as a software developer. If you consider you are practicing the eight limbs of yoga, but unfortunately we are not aware of how these are coming together. And this is why Sage Patanjali says that make it a celebratory practice. He says celebration of the limbs of yoga removes impurities. Yoga Anga Anushthanat Ashuddhi Kshay. What is celebration? What is a ceremonial practice? That it is not just a mechanical practice, not just mechanically going through the steps, but engaging in them with proper understanding, following every step with zest, with love, with attention, with a smile on your face, then the activity becomes a celebration. We know as Sage Patanjali says that the eight limbs of yoga contributes to purity, but it is true that every limb itself contributes to that purity as well. And when we celebrate, when we practice the steps with that love and attention, then the total endeavor becomes a celebration. And if we keep this approach, then every activity in life becomes a celebration. Sage Patanjali essentially is saying that yoga can become a celebration of the perfect art of living. And, we and if we approach our life, our roles in this manner, where is the scope for impurities? Where is the scope for ego, likes, dislikes, and fear? This is why Sage Patanjali says, make yoga a celebration, understand what is coming together, and then do it with a smile. With that, we'll take a look at the steps again. If you, if you take a look at the limbs, we have an intuitive understanding of what they all mean. So in this discussion, I will just focus on a few of this. I'll talk a little bit about yama, niyama, and samadhi. The other ones in the middle, we are more familiar with that in our practice of meditation. And we will cover them in, when we do the meditation at the end of this talk. Let us first understand the word samadhi a little bit more. Normally, we understand samadhi as self-realization or God-realization. So samadhi, in that sense, is the goal of yoga. But then why does Sage Patanjali say that samadhi is a limb that is to be used in the activity? Well, samadhi is both a goal and a means. The word samadhi itself in Sanskrit means samahita dhi. Samahita means balanced or peaceful. And dhi is intellect or mind. So the word samadhi is to do something with a peaceful, calm, joyous, smiling approach. So in that sense, samadhi becomes a step that we should practice. Often we forget about this. We become stressed 
in our day-to-day -day life. So when we are stressed, when we are not smiling, when we are annoyed, we are not practicing samadhi. So we will keep just this little nugget in mind, just, just to do something with smile, brings that calmness and peace, which is the practice of samadhi. Now let us take a look at yama and niyama. Sage Patanjali in his seminal work has actually listed five yamas, five values as yamas and also five as niyamas. Let us briefly cover these. The five yamas or values or self-discipline are ahimsa, a non-violence, satya, truthfulness, asteya, non-stealing or essentially honesty, brahmacharya, which is sexual continence when unmarried, moderation of sense pleasure as a householder or in a spiritual sense, living a life of God consciousness and aparigraha, non-possessiveness. So non-violence, truthfulness, honesty, living in God consciousness and non-possessiveness. And if you think of these values, you can understand that this refers to some, how we behave with others. Nonviolence, truthfulness, they make sense when it applies to others. So yamas are essentially values that the sage says that we should inculcate in us. Think of behaving or dealing with others. Niyamas, on the other hand, are rules that a yogi follows for his or her own transformation. And also for keeping the spiritual progress steady. So niyama rules that we follow for our own selves. And these two are five. Saucha or purity. Santosha or contentment. Tapaha, which is austerities or purificatory actions. Swadhyaya, self-study. And Ishwara Pranidhana or surrender to God. So simply understood, yamas are how we should behave with others and niyamas are the rules that we should follow for our own selves. What we don't, don't realize that yamas and niyamas are the foundation for a spiritual life. We think about yoga and meditation being the daily practice. We don't keep an eye on whether how we are behaving with others or with ourselves. And if we feel that we are not making progress in the spiritual path, it is quite likely that we need to turn our attention to these values again and see how we can refocus on them. Without progressing on yama and niyama, we will not progress on the spiritual path. And that is easy to understand. If we cannot transcend violence, if we cannot be truthful, then how can we behold the highest truth that is God. How can we even really understand what Guruji is teaching us? There's a beautiful story of how this works out in our life. This is a story of a saint called Samartha Ramdas. 
Samarth Ramdas was actually a holy man of medieval India. He was also the Guruji of Shivaji, the well-known warrior king who is revered all over the world. His name was actually Swami Ramdas. He used to go begging from door to door. And while begging, he would stand in front of a home and simply say, Raghuvir Samarth. The word means God is capable. Raghuvir, name of Lord Rama. Raghuvir Samarth or Lord capable. He would not say, I'm here to beg. He would just say God is capable, meaning God will take care of me. People would hear that and come out of their homes and he had a begging bowl and they would put food, food to him, food uh, in the bowl. So this is how this saint lived. And once when this uh, saint was in the front of a home and said, Raghuvir Samath, a lady came out. He gave the saint some food in his bowl. And then he said, Baba, can you give me some advice? The saint looked at the lady kept quiet and went away. Samarth Ramdas quietly left that day. The lady would have felt, I asked him for some advice. He didn't give that to me. The next day, Swami Ramdas, Samarth Ramdas came back to the same home, which he normally didn't do on successive days. Once again, he said, Raghuvir Samarth. The lady came out. She had some beautiful rice milk or piasam that she had made. And she, <clears throat> she was about to pour that into his bowl. And the lady stopped. She said, Baba, your bowl is not clean today. What the saint had done, he had kept some cow dung in the bowl. The lady said, Baba, your bowl is not clean. Samarth Ramdas said, why? You pour, pour in this bowl. The lady said, no, Baba, I cannot do that. Please give me your bowl. I will clean it and then I'll pour this food in there. Samarthram Das said, thank you, I'm leaving. You asked me yesterday for some piece of advice. This was the advice. Thank you. So what was the advice? The saint was essentially saying that your life is not pure. Just as you do not pour your good food into a bowl that is not pure, what good would my advice do when your mind is not pure? Our life indeed is like a pot. How clean are we keeping this pot? Sage Patanjali essentially says, Yama and Niyama keep the pot of our life clean so that we can then make progress in the spiritual path. We will consider just one yama and one niyama in our talk. We'll talk about ahimsa a little bit, nonviolence, and tapaha, austerities or purificatory action. If you think of ahimsa, most of us think of ahimsa in the form of killing or physically hurting someone. But really, ahimsa is not just physical violence. <clears throat> We can hurt another with our words and with even our thoughts. And often what we say to others hurts more than a physical wound. So we have to remember that as a yogi, we have to practice ahimsa in every action 
word as well as inner thought. That is the true practice of ahimsa. And we need to contemplate on whether we are living such a life or not. And when we talk about tapaha or austerities, Guruji says that one meaning of tapaha is to face inner turmoil with understanding and overcoming that. So overcoming our inner turmoil and not letting it make us miserable is an austerity that we can practice for our own self. So we will <clears throat> take these two concepts, ahimsa and tapaha in this sense, to the situation that we started this talk with. If you remember, we were saying that someone has said something to us that we do not like. We feel upset. We harbor thoughts of anger, jealousy, dislike, and hatred. Or we feel hurt as, as, as well. We feel humiliated. If you think of this, we ourselves then are essentially committing violence ourselves by harboring those thoughts of anger, jealousy, like, dis, dislike, and hatred. And by, when we feel hurt, we are in mental turmoil. So if we follow what we just discussed, then we need to overcome these two. We first need to be steadfast in ahimsa, in nonviolence, not hurting another with our thoughts and words. And we need to analyze why is this turmoil in our mind? Who is really hurt? Is the body hurt? Is the mind hurt? And if you analyze in this way, you will realize it is really our ego which is hurt. And usually our ego is hurt from our own expectations. Maybe I have certain expectations from my family members or my friends, and I want them to treat me that way. And when they do not, my ego is hurt. I feel humiliated. My pride is hurt. And that is why I get into a mental turmoil. So yogi, perhaps, if we were to apply these teachings to our daily life, what should we do? First of all, I think we should live a simple lifestyle. When we live a simple lifestyle, and an intelligent one, of course, then we reduce not only the burden of karma, but we lessen the chance of hurting others. So to review our lifestyle and see what is essential and what is not to live a simple lifestyle and to live it intelligently. Second, we need to practice nonviolence. In every moment, we need to be aware that in actions, thoughts, and words, we should, not, we should not hurt anyone. And the only way to do that is to catch ourselves when even the thoughts arise. That is why Guruji says, keep an attention on your breath. Watch the breath in every moment. When you even notice a thought of himsa, of violence coming up, pray to God, to Gurudev, please do not give me this thought. Please take this away. Bring the attention back regularly, repeatedly to the breath. And finally, let us not have undue expectations from others. I am just a child of God, and so are others. Let me bring that to my heart, that my mother will take care of me. The world is a play 
My mother will take care of me. Everybody is a child of God. Let me not have any more expectation. And then I am also a disciple of my guru. My guru is in, incessantly teaching me how to behave. Why can I not take those teachings to heart? And in every situation, think of how my guru would want me to react to that situation. So just these three steps will, I think, help us deal with these common challenges in our path. And of course, those who are practicing Kriya Yoga, for them, I would also say, practice more Kriya Pranayam. Lahiri Baba used to say, Lahiri Mahasai, that the practice of Pranayam overcomes the inadvertent or even the conscious mistakes that we make every day. So practice pranayam more. With that, I'll bring this discussion to a wrap and just quickly go over what we discussed. Sage Patanjali says that there are five impurities which lead to all misery in our life. This is ignorance, asmita or ainas, likes and dislikes, and clinging on to life or fear of death. And the only way to overcome these miseries is to have, this, have a celebratory practice of yoga. Yoga Anga Anushthanat Ashuddhi Kshaye. We went over the eight limbs of yoga and we discussed some associated practices. Yama, our moral values or self-discipline. We talked about leading a simple lifestyle. To practice ahimsa or non-violence in action, words, and thoughts. Niyama are observances and rules. A simple austerity that we can consider for ourselves is to not get miserable with turmoil in our own mind. We can keep in mind that we are a child of God and we are a disciple of the Guru. And let this guide our life. The limbs of asana, pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana. This essentially is the practice of meditation on the foundation of yama and niyama, which purify the mind. And finally, samadhi. In the end, it does mean realization. But along the way, it is a, it is a message to us to be peaceful, to be calm, and to be smiling. That is what I had to share with you today. Thank you for listening. I hope this short discussion was helpful for you, that if we focus on how we are approaching all of these limbs of yoga, that God and Gurus will bless us with more understanding and we'll have better progress on the spiritual path. With that, we have a few minutes left. We will practice a short session of meditation. Wherever you are, be comfortable. Let us close the eyes for a short meditation. Please keep the spine straight. Bring the attention to the middle of the two eyebrows.
we say this is the Agnya Chakra, the soul center, the door to divinity within. Be comfortable. The posture that you have right now, sitting comfortably with your spine straight, is itself an asana. Now withdraw your mind from the external world. Draw your attention within. This is pratyahara. Withdrawing the attention from the world outside. Concentrate on your breath instead. Calmly observe every inhalation and every exhalation. How the air is going in the nostrils. The warm air coming out of the nostrils. Some calmness within. Concentrating on the breath. Every breath. This is dharana or concentration. Who is pulling the breath? How valuable is our breath? Ayur vayuhu. Breath is our life itself. Balam vayuhu. Breath is our strength. Vayu dhata shaririraha. The breath sustains our body. Vayu sarvam idam vishvam. The breath is everything to us in this world. Vayu Pratyaksha Devata. Breath is the divinity within. Calmly watch. For this 10 minutes, to set aside all your thoughts and worries, all your anxieties of the work ahead. Divinity within us will guide us when it is time. For now, just to feel the divinity within. Now take a slow, long and deep inhalation. Hold the breath and gently bend forward a little. 
and exhale. Back to normal conscious breathing again with your head a little down. This too is a posture of yoga. More oxygenated blood going to the head. Maybe some pulsation in the head. This simple asana or posture of having the head down also is a simple practice of humility. Humbly thinking of divinity within. We are a child of God. To humbly think of the Divine Mother during this period of Navaratri. O Mother, Rupam Dehi, give us beauty. Beauty of a good character. Jayam Dehi, give us victory in our noble endeavors. Yasho Dehi, glory. Remind me, I'm your child. Overcome all my weaknesses, all my negative qualities. Bless me. In every breath, a prayer to Divine Mother. Still watching the breath. Take another slow, long, and deep inhalation. Holding the breath, gently sit back up. Exhale. Normal conscious breathing again. Be aware of your feelings within. Maybe a little more calmness. A little joy in your heart, a smile in your face. We are practicing the eight limbs of yoga. Next, we'll practice the deep breathing a little bit. Deep inhalation and deep exhalation. And with every full breath, to feel the life force, the prana expanding throughout our body. 
This is a simple pranayama. Take a deep, slow inhalation. Completely filling your lungs. And a slow, long, deep exhalation. Getting all the air out. Inhale. Slow, long, deep. Exhale. Slow, long and deep. Inhale. Feel the breath neutralizing all turmoil within. Exhale. Feel peace within. Inhale. Love. Exhale, peace. Inhale, love. Exhale, peace. Inhale. Love. Exhale. Peace. Inhale. Peace. Exhale. Love. Inhale. Peace. Exhale. Love. Inhale deeply. Exhale completely. Normal conscious breathing again. Bring back the attention to the middle of the eyebrows. All the attention within the cave of the cranium. Calmness within. Maybe the sound of silence or whisper of the Divine Mother. No thought. Allow yourself to merge into that silence. Silent meditation. This is Dhyana.
trying. Bring the attention back to the breath again. Conscious breathing again. Once again, aware of the breath, aware of the body. some calmness within maybe the mind is a little more peaceful peaceful mind is samahita dhi or samadhi Even a moment, even a moment of calmness is the result of your meditation, is the grace of God and Gurus. Thinking of God and Gurus with love and devotion. We will offer a prayer for all in this world. Sarve bhavantu sukhinaha, sarve santu niramaya, sarve bhadrani pashyantu, ma kaschit dukha bhag bhavet. Let all be happy. Let all be healthy. 
may all enjoy the auspiciousness in this world. May there not be any misery, but all be in peace. May God and Gurus bless us all. May the Divine Mother bless us all. Om Purnamadaha Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate This creation is complete. As part of this creation, we too are perfect and complete. May through our own celebratory practice, may through the blessings of God and Gurus, we realize this perfection within. Pray to God and Gurus <clears throat> to bless us all. I humbly bow to the living presence of God in all of you. Om. Amen. And thank you for joining this session. Jai Guru Pranam.